morning, church. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you here this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to be uh, walking through the short letter of Philemon. Um, but before we get going, would you please pray with me one more time? Father, we believe that the Bible is perfect, that it is trustworthy, and that it is helpful for all of life. God, as we study your word this morning, would you help us to reflect on the truths that are in it? Would, we help, would you reveal yourself to us? And God, would you enable us to live more holy, faithful, fruitful lives as a result of this amazing book that displays your grace and the peace we have received from it. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> Nobody just forgives. Nobody just forgives. Do you agree? Nobody just forgives because forgiveness is, is hard. For a lot of us, we've gone through times where forgiveness has been you know, one of the most hard things we've ever had to do. It requires that we let go of the hurt that we have been caused without expecting anything in return. It's letting a debt go unpaid, a crime go unpunished, justice to never be served, and to somehow be okay with that. Forgiveness is extremely difficult, and if I had to guess, uh, there are probably some of us in this room who have gone through uh, that radical process of forgiving someone. Maybe you're in the middle of that right now, forgiving someone who didn't deserve it. Maybe they didn't care what they did to you. Or maybe even worse, they shifted the blame onto you. Forgiving like people like that is, is so difficult. And, and I would also guess that uh, for those of you who are thinking of a specific instance right now, that... Although forgiveness is very difficult, that you are very glad that you were able to forgive them. The grace that you were able to show that person has produced a peace in your heart and soul. Even if not everything has worked out perfectly since then, even if they didn't deserve it. And so the letter of Philemon is exactly about this. It's about forgiveness. It's about grace producing peace. And in fact, that's Actually, the big idea of the sermon this morning, the big idea is that grace produces peace. And so we're going to be re begin reading in a moment, but before we do, I just want to give a bit of context for this book. Uh, Paul, the apostle, writes this letter to a man named Philemon, who was a very wealthy Christian who lived in Colossae, uh, and he owned slaves. <clears throat> he had this huge house in the Colossian church, or at least one of the Colossian churches, uh, met in his home. And for the sake of time, uh, we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of the ethics of slavery and the historical background of the slavery at this time. But for now, I want to say that, yes, slavery is wrong. It's evil. It's evil for any human to oppress or own another human being as if they were property, because all of us bear the image of God and we are all deeply, deeply loved by him. And so I want to be very clear, and I don't want to downplay the wickedness of slavery today. 
near the end of this letter, we'll see how this, uh, Paul's pushing for progress on this cultural norm. And however, uh, it is necessary to say that slavery is, is, was generally, not always, but generally a lot different than what comes to our mind today with race-based slavery in American history or um, the trafficking slavery of today. That doesn't mean that it was always good or was ever a good thing, but it was very different than we think of slavery today. And if you're interested to hear more about this, uh, a couple weeks ago, Aaron preached his sermon on Ephesians uh, 6, 5 to 9 called For the Glory, where you can hear kind of a more lengthy, lengthy explanation of that. What is important for us to understand for the context here is that Philemon had a slave named Onesimus who ran away to Rome and Onesimus Uh, possibly could have stolen money or property from Philemon in order to help him make it in the big city. Uh, But while he was there, by the grace of God, he met Paul, and he became a Christian. And Onesimus became extremely helpful for Paul in his ministry because Paul spent a lot of time in prison there for preaching the gospel. And so Paul, uh, while he's doing ministry with Onesimus, eventually realizes that Uh, The wrong that had happened, the severed relationship between Onesimus and Philemon had to be reconciled because they were Christian brothers. And and this is the purpose of writing this letter. It's a a letter of reconciliation. And so, uh, without further ado, let's begin reading uh, Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow brother, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think uh, it's, it's necessary to point out that this letter had a lot of potential for conflict. The relationship between Onesimus and Philemon was broken when he fled, and They likely hadn't talked since then. And so something that I'd like us to look at as we read this letter, like us to notice and and, uh, observe, is the overall tone and approach that Paul uses in writing. He calls Philemon right there in verse 1, his beloved brother. And Aphia and Archippus, who are possibly Philemon's uh, wife and, and son, his, his sister, and a fellow soldier. He's using these terms because he has a personal relationship with them. And he reminds Philemon that he is a beloved brother. And so here's the first way that grace produces peace. Grace produces peace by uh, the grace of the cross means that we can be forgiven by God. The grace of the cross means that we can be forgiven by God. So immediately, in the greeting of this letter, Paul wishes Philemon and the church grace and peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends the letter very very similarly uh, in verse 25 saying, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What Paul is doing here is he's bookending this letter, this conversation with the grace of and peace of God. He's reminding Philemon of the grace that he has received from Christ and the peace that has resulted. 
the grace of the cross produced the peace between this sinful man, Philemon, and his holy Savior. And that is the foundation and the starting line for all Christian relationships. Because we have been forgiven, we can also forgive. Because our relationship with God is restored, we can seek restoration with others. And this is the essence of the gospel. God created everything. Humanity included, and he created us with the specific intention of being in relationship with us. But the first humans, Adam and Eve, sinned against God by disobeying him. And that sin severed the relationship between humanity and God. And so sin entered the world. It corrupted everything in its path. Our relationship with God needed to be restored. But since we were the ones who did the wrong, we had no way of making that happen until Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, descended into our sinful, broken world in order to live and die so that our sin debt could be repaid. On the cross, Jesus made a way for us to be forgiven. And we as Christians are forgiven, forgiven of every wrong we've ever done and ever will do. And because we're forgiven, our relationship to God is restored. And that is why we are able to worship him. That's why any time, any place, day or night, each one of us can individually pray directly to God because we are forgiven. And because we are forgiven, we can have peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the peace that comes from God's grace. And the biblical idea of peace isn't, isn't just an absence of conflict. It's, just, it's not just a legal treaty. It's not not fighting. The biblical idea of peace carries with it this, this sense of fullness. When we are at peace, we are whole. And, and so how do we achieve peace with God? If it's for the first time we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our lives and we submit to following him in his way. And for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, maybe for decades, we can have peace with God. Um, and, by, and Isaiah says uh, how we can have peace with God. He says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. We stay our minds on the Lord. So listen, brothers and sisters, you are forgiven by God. All of your mistakes, all of your sins, all of who you are is forgiven and made clean by the grace of the cross. Because the grace of the cross means that we can be forgiven by God. The second way that grace produces peace is that the grace of the cross means that we can forgive each other. We can forgive each other. And so we'll move on into the main body of this letter. Again, paying attention to Paul's tone and approach as he writes to Philemon. Starting in verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus for all the saints and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective 
for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. First, he begins by telling Philemon that he thanks God every time he prays for him. Paul is so incredibly grateful to have this man as a brother in Christ and a partner in ministry. Why? Because Philemon's character is exemplary. Uh, Look at what Paul says about him. He loves Jesus and all the saints. He regularly shares his faith. Paul has been personally blessed and received joy and comfort because of how loving this guy is. And finally, Paul says that that many Christians have had their hearts refreshed through Philemon. Have Have you ever met someone like that? Someone whose presence is just refreshing to be around. Maybe they're joyful all the time. Or, uh, you know, maybe they can make you laugh every time you're with them. Maybe they're just one of those people who knows exactly what to say when you're feeling down. There are certain people who are just refreshing to be around just because of who they are. And Philemon is a guy like that. Paul is incredibly thankful for who he is and the ministry He's done with the Colossian church. And and this isn't the main point of the letter, but I think we should strive to be people like that, people that are encouraging and helpful and joyful. Every member of our church has covenanted to rejoice with those who rejoice and to bear one another's burdens and sorrows. And so let's, as a church, seek to live that out. Let's also learn from Paul's example that whenever we're about to enter into a difficult conversation with someone, let's make sure that we're acknowledging what we appreciate about them. Paul, in writing this, has has set the tone for the rest of this letter. It's not an attack. He's not initiating a fight. He's beginning a brotherly request. And so churches, as we talk with one another, as we hold each other accountable, Let's learn from the model that Paul sets out here. It's far, far too easy for us to forget that we're all on the same team, that we're working towards the same goal, that we're brothers and sisters united in Christ. And whatever disagreements or conflict that we have needs to take place within the shadow of the cross. Because the grace of the cross means that we can forgive each other. Let's keep reading in verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Again, the model that Paul sets out in in these sentences is amazing. He's an apostle. He's a spiritual giant and absolutely had the authority to command Philemon to do whatever he wanted him to do. And yet, he specifically chooses not to. Why? For love's sake, it says in verse 9. 
love is the governing principle in how Paul navigates this request for forgiveness and relational restoration. He doesn't command Philemon. He doesn't try to guilt trip him or manipulate him. And even though Paul wishes, he prefers that Onesimus could stay with him, he sends him back because as he writes in verse 14, he preferred to do nothing without Philemon's consent. This entire letter and how he writes and his actions behind it are all motivated by love and grace. Notice the grace in how Paul writes to Philemon and how this grace changes how the letter reads. Imagine, you know, he could have written the letter something more like this. Philemon, Onesimus is with me in Rome and he's been really helpful for me, so he's staying here. I command you to forgive his wrongs and let him stay here with me. Get over it. You're rich and one less worker won't affect you all that much. Paul would have been totally within his rights to do that. But Paul knows that grace produces peace. And as Paul shows grace to Philemon by his prayers, by the way he makes this request, by sending Onesimus back, the grace is laying the groundwork for a very peaceful resolution to the situation. Of course, Philemon can still respond however he wants to. Paul has no control over Philemon's response. But how much more likely is it that Philemon's response will be peaceful since Paul has chosen to ask with grace? He values this relationship with Philemon over what his preferences are. Over what would be the easiest and and most to the point. He doesn't want to keep Onesimus against Philemon's will, and so he sends him back all in grace because grace produces peace. Notice also at the end of verse 14, Paul writes, so that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but your own accord, but of your own accord. You can't force forgiveness. It has to be done willingly. And so in these verses, Paul reveals that his purpose in sending Onesimus back really is to have the broken relationship restored uh, through the two men forgiving each other. Like we just said, Philemon can choose to respond however he wants to. Paul can't force his heart in either direction. But in initiating this conversation with grace, peace is the far more likely outcome. And Paul not only shows grace to Philemon, but he asks him to return that same grace through forgiveness towards this prodigal Onesimus. Let's keep reading verse 15. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand and I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. 
At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. So these verses are, are a pretty big deal. Paul encourages Philemon to receive Onesimus back and not punish him, not to hold a grudge against him, not even you know, to assign him the worst jobs when he gets back, no. He encourages Philemon to receive him back and treat him not like he used to as a bondservant, but as a beloved brother. This is amazing, and this is an example of where we see this, the Bible pushing forward societal norms that were not good. Try to picture that. Onesimus is a slave. He runs away. And, and why did he run away? Who knows? Maybe Philemon treated him poorly. Maybe he didn't want anyone telling him what to do. There's a whole plethora of reasons why he could have run away, but no matter what, there was a, rela- there was a relationship that was severed. Trust was broken. And so now Onesimus is supposed to go back to the guy he ran away from and possibly stole from, willing to submit to his authority, but Philemon should stop treating him like a slave and instead like a brother. Not someone indebted to him, but as family. And to further drive home the point, Philemon is supposed to receive Onesimus back as if he were Paul himself. What would you do if the Apostle Paul was coming over to your house this afternoon? This is how Philemon is supposed to receive Onesimus back. Philemon and Paul evidently had a mutual respect and love for one another, and now Philemon should be showing that exact same love and respect to this man who ran away, forgiving him, showing him grace. Church, what if we forgave like that? When someone hurts us, when relationships are broken and we're offended and angry and sad. What if we showed so much grace to the offender that in the act of forgiveness, we not only let the hurt go, but we we received them back as brothers and sisters? Sounds hard, doesn't it? (coughs) Maybe a bit idealistic well it is forgiveness is hard and the deeper the hurt the more difficult it is to forgive the more difficult it is to show grace and sometimes it even seems impossible when forgiveness feels impossible there is only one thing that we can do and it is to run to the one who has forgiven us You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. We stay our minds on Jesus, on what he has done, on who he is because he is peace incarnate. He is grace incarnate. He is forgiveness incarnate. The very fact that Christ became human and died for us is proof of who he is. And when we meditate our minds on him, we are led in perfect peace. See, the only reason that we can forgive is because we are forgiven ourselves. We have been shown grace, which has resulted in our peace with God. A peace that is so much more than the absence of conflict. 
It's a peace that is wholeness, completeness. We've just come out of the Christmas season and a very popular Christmas passage is Isaiah 9. Where God is called our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace because he is complete within himself. And through making for us peace with God, we are also made whole. You are more of who you are as a forgiven child of God. You are more of who you're supposed to be when you are forgiven because peace with God is wholeness of life. And so when we make that monumental step in forgiving others or forgiving ourselves or forgiving God, we make a step towards wholeness because forgiveness is a step towards peace. No matter if the situation gets neatly wrapped up with a bow on top, no matter if the other person cares or even knows that you've forgiven them, it's a step towards peace because grace produces peace. And the grace that we have been shown in Christ's death on the cross means that we can extend that exact same grace and forgiveness towards anyone and everyone who has hurt us. And when true forgiveness takes place, something unexpected happens. We experience freedom. It's a bit unintuitive, and and so when we're, we're bitter towards someone, when we're harboring hurt or resentment or something like that towards someone else, it it usually feels like we have them trapped, like we're in control and we get to choose when they get let out of our cell of resentment. I choose when to let them go. I choose when to forgive. But here's what one author says about forgiveness. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. Brothers and sisters, I know there are some of you here that know exactly what I'm talking about, this difficulty of forgiveness. You might be hearing these words and and be saying, yeah, but don't don't put conditions on forgiveness. Praise God. His grace and his forgiveness extends towards you. Extend that same grace towards one another. If there's someone that you need to forgive, pray and ask for God's help and seek reconciliation as soon as possible. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we're all going to be best friends in the end. It doesn't mean that everything works out perfectly and we get the Hollywood, uh, the end sign and everything works out happily ever after, no. But it does mean that grace and peace become the defining traits in that relationship. The very essence of the gospel is radical forgiveness. And when we choose to forgive, that is the gospel in action. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Because forgiveness is grace in action. So finally, Paul concludes his letter in in much the same way as he began. (coughs) Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit.
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Church, it, it all begins and ends with grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ means that we can be forgiven by God. It means that we can forgive ourselves and others. Because we have been shown this incredible, incomprehensible grace by Jesus on the cross. That grace produces peace with God and with everyone around us. And so by that same grace, would you please pray with me? Father, we know that forgiveness can be so difficult. Forgiveness is costly. Lord, forgiveness costs you your very son. And, and so we, as Christians living in this, in the shadow of the cross, Lord, would you please remind us, encourage us to live with this worldview that as if we have been forgiven by you, we can forgive others. As you have shown grace to us, Lord, we can show grace to others. Lord, it's difficult. We don't always want to do it. And so I pray that, Lord, that you would heal the relationships uh, that we have with people in our lives. And Lord, that uh, through the forgiveness that needs to happen, through a relational reconciliation, that the gospel would be made uh, clear, that you would be glorified, and that you would receive honor and glory for how we live our lives, Lord. Help us to forgive. In Jesus' mighty, precious name we pray. Amen.